0: Hi there, welcome to this week's Episode of the Podcast with me, Russell Davis. Fertility can put a strain on the on the best of relationships, and unfortunately there's research that shows how infertility can bring distress into a relationship, and there's other research that shows distress in a relationship can impact your fertility. It can become a vicious cycle. So how can you turbocharge your relationship? How can you neighbor each other to feel more loved? On this fertility roller coaster. In this episode we're going to dive into that. I'm going to share a really really simple but so powerful tool to help you feel more loved, to help your partner feel more loved, so you both feel more united and connected as you journey together. even in a very loving, committed relationship, it's easy to know you're loved by your partner but not feel loved. And maybe not even just romantic relationships, to you know that friends and family kind of love you but you don't feel loved by them at particular times. So what is it we can do to help us feel more loved and help our partners feel more loved? And There was a relationship coach in America with over twenty-five years experience and with all his experience with his clients, he identified five typical ways in which we can communicate love. And the thing is if we're not communicating love in the way our partner kind of prefers to receive it or understands it, then our acts of love almost go unnoticed. And Gary Chapman, this relationship coach, coach, used the term love language. I think it's a really good analogy because yeah, if you speak the wrong language, then the other person doesn't understand you, isn't hearing what you're trying to, to communicate. And ideally, we'd like to receive love across all five different ways. There tends to be a particular one or maybe two ways which really hit the mark more for us than others. And if we can understand what our partner's love language is, or even our own love language, we can then love them in a more effective way. They're going to feel more loved. And it's easy to ask, okay, how does that help you feel more loved? Well, there's two ways. One is you can identify your primary love language and inform (laughs) your partner and help them to know what it is that makes you feel more loved. But if your partner's not willing to get involved in that kind of conversation or open to this kind of stuff, if your partner feels more loved, unconsciously they're going to reciprocate that and they're going to try more to help you feel more loved. Because if they know what your primary love language is, anything they do is going to be, again, far more effective. So I'm going to take a quick kind of walk through these five love languages. And there's a whole book, it's a great book, called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Um, it's wrapped around Christian language, which I know some people find would be a barrier. I think it's completely unnecessary because it's not a Christian concept. It's, it's relevant for anyone of any kind of faith or religion. Um, I think it's been unfortunate because, you know, I mean, the message doesn't really get as wide as it possibly can because it turns some people off. But if you can get through that kind of language, the core message is, is I think, is so, so really powerful and, and simple but effective. So let's just walk through these different five love languages in no kind of particular order. One is words of affirmation. And again, I like the term language because a language can, can have different dialects. So each of the love languages can have different dialects within them. So words of affirmation may be kind words, compliments, encouraging words. Mark Twain said he could feed off a good compliment for a month. So people some people love those kind of kind words and those compliments, and it really fills their heart when they hear people use kind words and compliments and encouraging words to them, particularly their partner. But other dialect of words of affirmation as a love language is the absence of criticism. So for me I really hear compliments but I really hear criticism. So for me actually words of affirmation is one of my primary love language and it's for me it's the absence of criticism. So that's a dialect within that love language of words of affirmation. Another love language is acts of service. This is doing things for our partner, but it's got to be the right things. You know, I could, I do all sorts of jobs kind of around the house and might fix the cars or sort of computer out, more than kind of I guess, technical, practical things, um, DIY. And my wife appreciates it, you I know she gonna appreciates it, but if I clean the bathroom, that really gets noticed, but only if I clean it to her standard and not my standard. And this acts of service love language can actually challenge some of our stereotypical roles around the kind of house. So it's got to be the right thing that really hits the mark for them, not just anything. There may be a number of things you do for your partner, but it needs to be the right thing that hits the mark. So for some people, when things, when people do things for them, that really helps them feel very loved. Another love language is quality time. Again there's different dialects within this, different forms of quality time. It may be having a lovely romantic meal, gazing each other's eyes over a table and having a deep and meaningful conversation. It may be just having a conversation, really opening each other's hearts and just understanding how someone feels in that moment where you feel really, really been held and listened to. Um, and that opens up the whole conversation about or oh, topic about sharing those emotions and holding space for each other it could be quality time could be going to the cinema together where you're not actually interacting that way but you're doing something together knowing you're doing it to be together and again it's not just romantic relationships you can imagine maybe uh, a father and a son just kicking a football backwards and forwards nothing's being said but there's a a connection there's quality times where the other person is the sole focus of the time. Another love language is gifts. And again different dialects, so for some people it could be really expensive gifts, for some people it's more homemade gifts. And most love ceremonies around the world, we call it marriage in our culture, um, marriage ceremonies, love ceremonies involve giving and receiving of a, a gift, often a ring. And when someone receives a gift, when someone you know, when gifts are important to them, they remember the giver. They remember the person that gave that gift so their memories attached to it um, beyond the physical object. So for some people gifts are really important. my wife isn't really a gifts person and she doesn't mean just like the occasional you know bunch of flowers and the occasional gift we all like it. These love language across the board, but it's not the strongest one compared to some of the others. And the fifth love language is touch. Now, this could be explicit touch, like a, a massage or holding hands or snuggling up as you watch a film, kind of leaning into that feet and you know, touching each other as in your bodies against each other. It could be implicit touch. It could be as you brush past them, you, you stroke them as you brush past them, or um, little things like that. the thing is about touch is, a lot of men would say touch is their primary love language and that's because of sex. There's different psychology around sex between the masculine and the feminine, but a lot of men think sex is their, or means touch is their primary love language. But then I might ask them, well, would you want to make love, have have sex with your partner if they've been critical at you all day? And maybe they won't. And that maybe indicates maybe touch isn't their primary love language now for me, touch is my primary love language, not particularly sexist, it's just being touched. It's, it's maybe a head massage, it's being having a hug. It really kind of gets to my core, because maybe I crave more physical affection as a, as a kid. Um, so touch is another kind of love language. So these five kind of love languages, it tends to be one and maybe two, the history mark for us more. So just consider... What you think maybe your primary love language might be is it words, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, gifts or touch, physical touch. And then you consider maybe what your partner's primary love language is and maybe it'd be a good conversation to have. And you made me think, you know, we shouldn't need to do this, we married for many years or together for many years. But we do and it's it's okay to recognize it's we keep learning and about each other and when you first get together it's just so unconscious it's kind of the kind of honeymoon period of a relationship where we're actually unconsciously giving love across the board maybe but as the relationship matures we get into more habitual ways of of thinking and that's why sometimes we can grate each other more or annoy each other more and the differences can come to the surface does mean the relationships incompatible or broken or have gone wrong it just means you're coming out of the honeymoon period and it's more a more established sustained mature relationship and yeah we need to work at those things and just making sure we recognize we have to get out our model of the world and connect to our partners model of the world and not assume they're connecting our own model of the world or think they're bad or wrong for not connecting to us in our model of the world so this way this love languages model is a way of doing that recognising actually what's their model of the world, how can I love them in their model of the world that makes sense for them. If you're struggling to identify maybe your primary love language, one of the questions might be, you know, when you did first get together with your partner, what is, it, what is it about them you really were attracted to, that you fell in love with, and what ways they demonstrate love to you in those times and really hit the mark for you. And if you can identify each other's love languages, things you can do, be really good to maybe kickstart uh, the relationship to so you feel more loved. This sounds a bit corny using Gabby's analogy of a love tank within us. Um, but it's true sometimes our love tank feels empty and it's not good. Um, it's about helping each other's love tank feel full. And one way of doing that is maybe writing a list of ways your partner can demonstrate love to you in ways, maybe big ways and maybe more planning but a lot of simple ways they can do in each day and make a list, and maybe write ideas out on, on a bit of paper, each one a different bit of paper, screw it up, put in a jar, and each day your partner takes one out of your jar, and that's their thing to do that day, and they do the same for you. And maybe just having the conversation and making that list and making a conscious effort, or maybe each day you're doing one little thing to love your partner in their primary love language, and you'll be amazed how that can really transform a relationship, both ways, even if it's only one partner doing it. Um, one part of making that change can really transform the whole relationship. I've seen it time and time again in my own relationship with my clients. If I get complaining in my head about my wife not loving me the way I think I deserve or should, it's generally a signal that I'm not be loving her in a way. It's really effective and hitting the mark for her that she's not feeling loved. And there's a thing called empathy clash in a relationship where both parties in the relationship of feeling completely unloved and seeking love and affection and understanding from the other party, the other person, but don't have anything to give. Neither person's got anything to give. And you've got this unconscious standoff of both seeking empathy from the other person but neither got anything to give. And it's often referred to as an empathy clash. And this is one way of really laser focusing that effort, that love, into the other person to, to break that cycle. You just take one person take the initiative to do that or both parties agreeing this is where we're at and we need to do and taking the initiative to focus on the other person and it pays back kind of tenfold a hundredfold onefold because you just receive that love back from them I hope that's a helpful way just to help you just kickstart or, or turbocharge your own relationship so you both feel loved despite life is busy and there's challenges and all sorts of things in life that you can Hold on to knowing that you feel loved as you navigate this roller coaster of life together. Loving you.